All of God's people should say, Amen. He is certainly worthy today. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of James. The book of James chapter 2. Book of James chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come into your assembly a man with, gold, with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place. Say to the poor, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves, and have become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself, you do well. But if you have respect of persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that has showed no mercy. And mercy rejoices against judgment. Let's pray. Father, holy God of heaven, we come into your presence this morning with all of our needs. Lord, we are a needy people. The greatest need we have this morning is to see you. To know you and experience you through Christ. And we have things that no doubt are on our minds. Circumstances in our lives that would divert our attention away from that greatest need. And so we pray for your assistance now. And we pray that your very presence would come. Your spirit would come. And you would speak through your word. Lord, that they would not just be words falling into our ears. But, oh God, we pray for your illuminating power. That we might see. That we might embrace. That we would be transformed into the image and into the glory of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. 
Amen. Last week, we celebrated the Lord's Supper together, and we picked out verse 1 of this text, and I mentioned then that I was going to do what I would not normally do, namely, make the main point of the text, the main point of the text would not be the main point of the sermon. (laughs) And typically and normally, we would not do such a thing. But because we were going to celebrate the Lord's Supper and because it is so striking and significant that the only two places that James directly mentions the Lord Jesus Christ is in that first verse of chapter 2 and in chapter 1 verse 1. And so what we did was we lifted the phrase, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, and we just held it out in front of us and looked at it biblically for worship. Understanding this great God of glory and what that glory is and how we are to relate to this God of glory and worship and honor and obedience. Now this morning we're going to do the right thing. We're going to make the main point of the text the main point of the sermon. And the main point of this text is found in verse 1. He says, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. And so here we find a great sin. The sin of partiality. The sin of favoritism. The sin of discrimination within the body of Christ. That was going on, no doubt. Among those scattered abroad, as he mentioned in verse 1, those, the true Israel scattered abroad, no doubt they were facing this problem then. And we do not have to look very far to see that it is still a problem of the human condition today. And in verse 22 of verse of chapter 1, we find that We are to be doers of the word, the perfect law of liberty of verse 25 of chapter 1. And James has essentially argued that this includes having compassion upon the helpless. You see it there in verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widow in their affliction. And so he is already giving us this general admonition that what lines up with the true faith, what is in accord with the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, is to have care and compassion for the helpless. And here in our text this morning, he is going to get more specific and say that one of the things that we need, one of the things that characterizes the true faith Saving faith, the evidence or the fruit of that reality in the Christian life is that we have a care and compassion for the helpless and that we are not divided in our assembly with our judgment, with our favor, with our attention, with our support, but that we be unified and be equal as we relate to one another within the body of Christ. And so let me tell you the outline. You can write down these three words. 
And you'll know where we're going. First of all, we're going to look at the command in verse 1. We're going to briefly think about the reality. The main point is this command, do not show favoritism. Do not be partial among yourselves. The second thing we're going to look at in verses 2 to 4 is the example that he's going to give us. He's going to give us the example. So first of all, the command. Secondly, the example of what discrimination is. And then draw the conclusion from this example that this kind of behavior, that this kind of action is sinful and wicked. And then thirdly, we're going to think about the reasons. The command, the example, and the reasons. And he gives us three reasons why this kind of action, this kind of attitude is Sinful and evil. Number one, the command. Do not show favoritism. Do not hold the faith. Do not claim that you belong to Jesus Christ. Do not claim that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And then when the assembly is gathered together, when you interact with your brothers and sisters, fellow heirs of the grace of God, Show partiality and favoritism to one group over another or one individual over another based on humanistic logic, humanistic means of evaluating and coming to judgment. We know that this is a dominant theme within the word of God. This is something that God is very concerned about, that we be just and we be righteous In our judgment. You see. Very often we tend to put people in categories. (laughs) By the way. Let me give you a little parenthetical. Exhortation to listening to this sermon. And all sermons by the way. The worst way to listen to a sermon. Is to listen to it. For the person sitting beside you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Boy, I wish she would listen to this. Boy, I wish the pastor across town was here for this. No, as we hold this up today and we look into the perfect word of God, we need to see the remnant of corruption within our own soul. We need to see that this is not something that these other people are dealing with, but that you and I are dealing with. End of that parenthesis. So we tend to put people in certain categories. For example, we put people in certain social categories. We think about what social class an individual is in. And we relate to that person many times, very often, on the basis of their social status. We look at people and we judge and we make assessment and we evaluate people by their appearance. The way that they look. You look at someone and you make an observation and you make an evaluation and you come to conclusions and we all do this and we do it based largely upon appearances, the way they look, the way they dress. We may put people in certain religious categories. We may put them in the non-religious category or the conservative category or the liberal category and we make observations, we make assessments and we make and pass judgments. Based on our categories. We put people in ethnic categories. 
This is a huge problem within the church of Jesus Christ. And I will say this, just because we have a problem doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray and work toward a solution to that problem. And one of the problems is, if you look around in this room, where is the ethnic diversity in this room? Why is it like this in almost every congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ? We have a problem. We judge by appearances. We put people in different ethnic groups. And we say, okay, I'm going to relate to this person based on their ethnic category. Or how about the education category? Someone who is highly educated looks oftentimes and makes observations and evaluations about another individual based on their education in life. And we could go on and on about the different categories that we put people into, the different boxes that we place people in as we make observations and judgments about them. But one thing is true of all of those that I mentioned, namely this. God uses none of them. God does not look at a person based on their ethnicity. God does not look at a person and make an evaluation on that individual because they have a lot of money or because they are poor. Because they are highly educated or because they are uneducated. No, God looks upon the heart. And he makes an evaluation based on the true reality of the inner person. And not by outward appearances. One of the great texts of Old Testament scripture that validates this reality is 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. Beginning in verse 6, we find this. Statement, when they came, this is Samuel, he looked at Jesse's son Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance for on, or on his, the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. This is a king. What are you basing that on? He's tall. He's handsome. This must be him. And God says, no, that's not him. You look on the outward appearance, but I look on the heart. If you were to turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 10... Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 17. We find this statement about our God. It says this. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. The great, the mighty, the awesome God. Who is not partial. And takes no bribe. He doesn't look and say. If a person has wealth and money and can give me a little something, I will sway my judgment. But as a matter of fact, over and over and over throughout the scriptures, we find that God is actually a vindicator of all unrighteous judgment 
upon people who base their judgment and assessments upon what they see and what they can gain from a certain individual. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 17, I'll read this one, just jot it down. Deuteronomy 1, 17. You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. And there again, I say, do not listen to this based on the other person. Because let me ask you a question. Do you act certain ways when you're around certain people? That you do not act when you're around other people? Do you interact with a certain person because of their economic status, their social status, their educational level, their popularity? Do you interact with them? Do you treat them differently? Based on those things. He says, don't be intimidated by anyone. Don't be persuaded because of someone. But judge righteously and justly. Coming over into the New Testament in the book of John, the gospel according to John chapter 7. Jesus says in verse 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. And so here we find a command that James says, simply do not show this partiality. Do not be divided in your affections. Do not be divided in the way you treat and judge and make assessments of the people of God when they assemble together. Because partiality is another form of favoritism and favoritism will lead to discrimination. And I would say this, one of the more subtle effects of this remaining corruption within us is what I'm going to call an unnoticed clouding of our reasoning and judgment. An unnoticed clouding of our reason and judgment. The way this comes up a lot of times is we evaluate people based on these categories that we build for them. And very often it begins to cloud our ability to properly assess... And properly make judgment and properly relate to people within the family of God and outside of the family of God for that matter. I remember Dr. Don Deal used to always say this. I love to have a dollar for every time I heard him say this. This is what he always said. All issues end in personality. Why? Because if I like you. If you're my friend, or even stronger, if you're my family member, I may, because of this unnoticed clouding of our ability to reason properly and make the right assessments and have discernment, we will shelter, we will uphold, and we will fight and defend Those that we are personally attached to. Anything you're attached to. Personally. Any person that you are attached to. 
you have a tendency to have a clouded judgment when you think about them. And so, this is not something to take lightly. John MacArthur writes concerning this word and this phrase here, it pertains to judging purely the superficial level without consideration of a person's true merits, abilities, or character. That's number one, the command. Number two, the example. Beginning in verse two, we find, he says, For if there come one in your assembly, a man... With a gold ring, goodly apparel, and also a poor man with vile raiment or clothing. So here we have an assembled gathering. And within this assembly, there comes one who is dressed with fine clothing. Someone comes in, and they obviously are in the more economically stable class. They're in a higher economic class. They have more money to provide these clothing and this apparel. And another person comes into that same assembly. He says, with poor clothing. And you have, verse 3, respect unto him that wears the good clothing and say unto the other man or the other person, sit here, sit here under my footstool. Two types of people. Christians in positions of authority in the community are showing special attention and flattery to the rich and treating the poor with disdain and contempt. And so here we find a warning of the, of the writer. We find a warning to Christians not to have a divided heart in their relationship with God and one another. They make themselves judges, he says, with evil thoughts. Judging people using the wrong criteria. And when you judge people using the wrong criteria, you come to the wrong conclusions. <laughs> and we find this so true in our lives. You ever done that? I did it yesterday. I did it yesterday. And I had, to, I had to let it be known because one other person knew that I made this judgment. I made this assessment. And I based it on the wrong criteria and I came to the wrong conclusion. And I had to turn to somebody else after I was proven wrong and say, I have to take that back. Did it yesterday. So this is relative for us in this room today. It's relative for us to think this morning that the remaining corruption within the church and oftentimes it really cripples and can destroy the fabric of unity and love and joy and worship in a local church when we are guilty of this at various levels. And it's so subtle. And I've witnessed it at several different categories from both sides. Let me give you some categories. You're going to like this. Let's take the category of the young and the old. Now, I have a privilege as a pastor. I talk to a lot of people. I talk to people, all kinds of people. I talk to poor people. I talk to rich people. I talk to educated people, uneducated people. I talk to old people. I talk to young people. I talk to all kinds of people. And you know what's good? I listen. <laughs> and you know what I hear? Both sides. For example, you can finish it. These young people today. I mean, I, all the time, I hear it all the time. And I just, if I'm not grinning outside, I'm grinning on the inside. Here he comes. These are, and as if you can base 
<laughs> your judgment of every young person on your subjective experience. I mean, how many young people do you really intimately know and interact with? <laughs> and then I've heard it on the other side. Because I've been a youth pastor, children's ministry. And I hear this. The wrong criteria for judgment. Coming to the wrong conclusions. And being divided when we ought not to be. Think about the category of the rich and the poor. I've heard people on both sides have disdain for the other group. And both of them are sinful. Both of them are wrong. <laughs> well, he thinks he's something. He's got a little money. Is that true? Maybe so. Maybe not. I've heard both sides. Wrong criteria, coming to the wrong conclusions, divided when we ought not to be. How about the educated and the uneducated? I've heard both sides of that as well. Well, he is educated. You fill in the blank. You might have said it. She's uneducated. So there's a way that we relate to educated people. There's a way that we relate to uneducated people and educated people that's differently. And we base our assessment on these outward things and these categories of assessment that are the wrong criteria to make the judgment in the first place. And so therefore we almost always come to the wrong conclusions and we don't benefit from the diversity that God has designed there to be in the church. God has designed the old to be with the young. God has designed the rich to be with the poor. He's designed the educated to be with the uneducated. He's designed all nations to come together and form one people in Christ. There's only one, there's only one church. There is only one true people of God. And so, that is the example. Let's go to the reasons. I have to speak quickly now. Three reasons. We're going to focus on two. And the last one we'll save for week after next. Beginning in verse 5, he begins to give some reasons for why this kind of assessment, this kind of judgment is evil. And since I've stirred you up, let me go ahead and do this further. <laughs> Not all judgment is wrong. You make judgments every day. You must make judgments every day. The key is in scripture is make righteous judgments. When you assess and evaluate, don't use your eyes Alone to make an assessment because you may be looking at a poor person who has a tremendously godly character. You may be looking at an educated person who is tremendously humble and Christ-like. And you don't know based on outward criteria what the heart is like. And so what we do is we make righteous judgment. That's what the Bible calls for. The Bible does not condemn all judgment. 
it condemns unjust judgment. Now, number one, why is it evil? Because of God's character and action. Because of God's character and action. The reason that it's evil, he gives us in verse 5, hearken my beloved brethren. And this is what he says. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But you have despised the poor. So when you, when you look to God for the example, when you go to God and you say, okay, does God do this? Does God have disdain for the poor in our community? He says, no. You can see clearly that God has chosen the poor in this world, rich in faith, to be heirs of the kingdom of God. When Jesus was living and ministering, the majority of the people that came to faith in Christ were poor people, common people, uneducated people. And he says, this is not because of anything good in themselves, but God has chosen them. God has this design in holding up weak people and making his power known. And weak people. So if you're uneducated. If you're unable. If you're not gifted and talented. You might be just right for God to use. To do great things. Because God is going to get the glory. That's the way he does it. He takes a stammering tongue. And he makes that tongue. His mouthpiece. He takes a 300 army. Gideon and the 300. Against the Countless multitudes of the Midianites. Why? Because God wants the glory. Because he's the one that wins the victory. And God has chosen the poor of the world. Not to the exclusivity. Not to the exclusion of rich people. But there is an obvious pattern. To the working of God's grace. Among the poor. And the weak. And the needy. Because of God's character. And because of his action. Such an attitude stands. In contradiction James says. To God's own character. To God's evaluation. Who honors clearly the poor. I like what the commentator. Douglas Moo says here. He says. It is from this spiritual vantage point. Not the material. That Christians should judge others. Whether believers or unbelievers, people should not be evaluated by Christians according to the standards of the world. And we know that God in the New Testament suggests, delights especially to shower his grace on those whom the world has discarded to the ones that the world has rejected. Number two, not only because of God's character and action, but because it is sinful, faulty logic. It is sinful, faulty logic. The second part of verse 6. Let's just read it all. But you have despised the poor. Do not. Now this is, this is using logic. He's thinking. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called. It is a sinful Faulty logic. 
to have favorites, <laughs> to show partiality based on any of those categories that we mentioned and any of those that we didn't mention that you could create. Favoritism toward the rich betrays an unhealthy flattery, as I call it. An unhealthy desire to please a specific group or a specific person. But I'm going to tell you this. This is hot spot with me right here. This is what I'm getting ready to talk about. One of the things that God has revealed to me, black and ugly, that I disdain is this kind of flattery. It is absolutely destructive to a local church. It destroys it. To have this mentality of flattery and persuasion to get your way. That's evil. And people build churches on that. And it destroys a church. And I have been instructed. This is the reason that I disdain it. Because I have been instructed by some men in the faith. That I strongly, strongly respect and love. That have told me to do this. You want to get here from where you are. You do this. You flatter. You do something, you persuade through this sucking up. And you'll get what you want later on. That's evil. To think that I can, or you can, in the assembly of the people of God, treat someone with favoritism and partiality... To treat them a certain way so that you can get what you want later on is sinful. So it's sinful. Secondly, it's a faulty logic. It's not logical. Why? Because if you can get people to do what you want through that kind of sinful persuasion, then you have a relationship that is built upon Faulty, falsehood, deceit, and it is superficial. It is not deep. It is not deep fellowship in the faith. It does not create disciples who are deeply and intimately committed to one another and in love with one another. It creates people who flatter superficially. And there's no harmony there. There's no depth. And these are the very people. <laughs> you ever heard the old saying, if somebody can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. If you can just be flattered and persuaded because you want to please a certain person or you want to please a certain group of people, my friend, you need to avoid that like the plague because it's not from God. It's sinful and it's a faulty logic. Because he says, these are the very ones that 
are persecuting you. These are the very ones that in their actions are blaspheming that holy name by which you have been called. Jesus in the gospel makes a call for the poor and the needy and the blind and the broken and the crippled and the rich and the healthy and all people whosoever he calls come unto me. And you can find life. He doesn't appeal just to a certain class. Just to a certain type. And we ought not either. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to see the thread of this corruption within us. And God, forgive us. Forgive us today and give us hearts of repentance and faith that we can live according to your word, according to your character and according to your nature. And if we love, we truly love because you loved us. Help us to see everyone on the same level, sinners in need of amazing grace in order to be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And help us to reach out to everyone. And help us to love everyone. Help us, O oh God, to relate to others with the same love and the same assessing and evaluation. Based on spiritual criteria. And not the physical. And God, if there be one today who would hear the voice of Jesus calling unto them. My prayer is that you would give them the repentance this hour to turn away from sin and to trust in Christ so that they can be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.